live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to the show. Hey, Kelly. How you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. You're in a trance. I am. Well, that music at the beginning was... Oh. Yeah. So soothing. I know, I know. Plus, I'm in a trance because kids are back in school after two and a half weeks spring break, so (laughs) things are getting back to normal. Wow, and my kids haven't even had spring break yet. Oh. Not not that they'll even get one with the winter that we had, but... Right. Yeah. It's actually going to be 65 degrees this week. <gasps> That's great. I know. I'm having a pool party. Are you? <laughs> do it's, you have a pool? It's getting crazy up in <laughs> I do have a pool. It's, okay. it's still kind of buried in the snow. But <laughs> if I could, I would totally have a pool party. Maybe I'll just build a fire and like go out on my deck on Thursday. Because, you know, Thursday's the new Friday anyway. Yeah. Right? Isn't that great? It is great. It's awesome. So we have a great show today. Yes, I'm really we do. excited because you know I'm all about I'm all about the teens mm-hmm. and and how we totally misunderstand them and all of that great stuff. Right. You know you know how I feel about that. I get so frustrated when people talk about how shitty their teenagers are, and I'm yeah. like, you know, I was not a shitty teenager. My husband was not a shitty teenager, and I don't have shitty teenagers. Right. You know, and the teenagers that come into my house are pretty cool. So, you know, they start out kind of shy and I could see how maybe their parents would get very easily frustrated with them. But I think we are we are such a over um, overly protective bubble wrappy helicoptery parent society that our teenagers have never had that opportunity to go through that whole divorce that that neurological and emotional divorce thing that mm-hmm. teenagers are supposed to go through and i'm you know I'll, we'll talk definitely talk more about it with um, sure. Dennis and Arlen um they wrote the book uh parenting for the launch what mm-hmm. i wish i knew at 18 and they're going to be with us after the first break and i'm sure that they're going to talk about it but it's just crazy what we do what we do to our teenagers in the name of parenting, and we don't even realize that we're causing our own misery, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's insane. Right. And then um, in our third segment, I am so excited. I could just pee in my little pants. <laughs> we're we're going to be talking with my idol, Jennifer Fink, who yeah. is the creator of BuildingBoys.net. And such an appropriate time to have her on the show because, you know... Kelly, I, I know you got a girl. Yes. This whole debate over boy stuff, girl stuff is making me want to poke myself in the eyes with mm. a fork. Yeah, I know. 
It's insane. Okay, I'm coming from I'm coming from several places on this, but the big places that I'm coming from is as a parenting expert who has studied child development and understands that there is a very real difference between the way boys and girls see the world. I know that this is true. And coming from a toy manufacturing perspective, you know, there it's okay to have toys for boys and for girls. It's right. okay. You know where the problem comes in? When parents say to their children, you can't play with that because you're a boy or a girl. That's where the problem comes in. Right. But there's nothing wrong with making things pink or making things blue. Some girls like pink. Some boys like pink. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of it. So now Pop Sugar Moms did an article, had an article published today. Should we ban the pink aisle? Don't you dare. <laughs> the pink aisle. Ban the pink aisle. Uh, <laughs> is that I'm like a, all the Barbie stuff? Is that what you're talking about? Oh, everybody's so pissed at Lego. Leave Lego alone. Yeah. They're doing everything in their power. Here's the thing. If you can't find girl Legos, you aren't looking. <laughs> you know why I say that? Because I go to the Lego store with my kids everywhere there is one when we travel. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of Lego stores out there. And guess what you can do? You can design your own Lego people. Ooh. And they're totally neutral. It's a face. Like, it's a head. You put the hair on it. You put the body on it. If you want to make a little girl construction worker Lego person, you can do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so tired of people saying, do it for me, but do it the way I like it, or I'm going to demand that you be banned. Yeah. Do it yourself. <clears throat> that little eight-year-old girl who was bitching that she couldn't get shoes with dinosaurs on them. Oh, go buy the shoes with dinosaurs on them and shut up. <laughs> I worked for Kinney Corporation for many years, and the difference between boys' shoes and girls' shoes is nothing. Right. It's ridiculous. You want to <laughs> put your right? You want to put your little boy in saddle shoes? Go right ahead. You know, then there's that uncle from Alabama who dressed in a princess outfit to take his little niece to see Cinderella. I saw that. Uh, <laughs> who doesn't want to squeeze him? I know. I like Oh, my that. God. He's getting so many date offers right now. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And he's an <laughs> actor, too. And he was a cutie patootie with all that ink all over him. And then he had that princess dress on. That yes, was hot. That was cute. That was hot. So see, there you go, little boys. That man was hot in that princess dress. Do you know why? Because he did something outside the box for somebody else. Right. And he didn't care what anybody thought. That made him hot. You know what I don't get? What do you not get? I don't get is that with the boy toy, if they touch something pink, they're going to turn out gay mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. That's what, that's what. I don't understand. Exactly. You know, here's the thing. We're, once again, it's completely lopsided. Mm-hmm. We are unbalancing the, the thing that we're saying we're trying to balance. And you're absolutely right. Kelly, here's the thing. I had, a, I had an in-home daycare for many years. So I was allowed to have dolls in my home with, all my, with my boys right. because I had girls there. My boys... My boys played with dolls. 
My boys played with the kitchen sets. My boys love to vacuum. You know, it's... <sighs> That's all stuff they need to learn how to do for life skills anyway. Exactly. It's like your boy plays with a doll. He's going to wind up to be gay. No, he's not. He's going to wind up to be able to take care of a baby. Right. He's going to know how to change a diaper. You know? Mm-hmm. Gosh, it's, it's so ridiculous. And you can't... Uh, what are we going to do? Say, oh, primary colors, we have to do away with those. They're evil. <laughs> because those mean boy. And that's what the whole world of art is based on, primary colors. Roy G. Biv, baby. Yeah, you got it. You know what? I think it's kind of sexist, though, because it is a man's name. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can change it. Right? I don't know how. It's I mean, Roy the G. Colors, Biv. The colors of the rainbow are the colors of the rainbow. There's. But you did know. you see um, what's his face named his? Uh, they named their baby uh, James, their little girl. Who's his face? Um. Oh my gosh, I can't think of his name right now. But he's super uber hot. The Green Lantern guy. The one with um, Eva Mendes. Yeah. Oh, they named that's their a cute baby, name. They named their baby girl James. Oh. And, of course, the interwebs blew up. You oh, know. sure. So what? Who gives a shit? The, um, the what's-her-face? Uh, uh, see, I, I can't do this. My husband is cringing right now because he's like, stop saying things like that. Who's a what's-it and what's-her-face and you know who. <laughs> I'm sorry, Parent Nation. You're getting all of me right now. This is how I speak so you can imagine why my family is insane and doesn't love me. But, um, no, the, the, the blonde with all the diet problems and um, when she had her baby, she named her baby girl Maxwell. And my husband went crazy, and my son went crazy. Oh, because you have a Maxwell. Maxwell. Yeah, yes. my son is Maxwell. What did he's your like, Maxwell think of that? He's like, that is a very strong, manly name. Why would you do that? And I'm like, because we're not allowed to have genders anymore. There's nothing. You can't be gender-specific anymore. You know? But mm -hmm. yet, but yet, I doubt very highly that you're going to find... Um, you know, overtly girls' names given to boys. It's, it, you know, like Jane. No. You know, yeah. you're, you're not going to name your little boy Jane. Now somebody in Hollywood's going to do that. Yep. And if they do, I'm claiming you it. You owe it. me royalties. Yes. <laughs> Crazy. Like Crazy. my name. My name is a boy-girl name, Kelly. Yeah, and I've heard Stacy. Yes. You know, Stacy Keach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's the only one. No. <laughs> It's true. You know, I, I think that, though, we do need to get past the being offended by by things, though. Right. You know, I think there's a difference between accepting things and being offended by them, because being offended by things is a really deep choice towards anger. Right. You know, and if you're choosing anger, that's your problem. You deal with it. Don't put that on me. You know, I, th that's, that's horrible. You know, oh, there's just so much craziness going on that we can be offended by, but okay. So, um, the, the, uh, the, um, Kathleen, Kathleen Siddell just wrote an article, how I'm not going to raise my sons to be a gentleman. Ooh. Right. But here's the thing. It, what we need to stop doing is we need to stop assuming based on clickbait 
what mm-hmm. the article is really going to be about. Because if you really go in and you read the article, it's actually a very good article about how um, we expect everything to be neutral. But yet she took her three-year-old son to a birthday party and they were doing a pinata and every single little girl had to go before her son. Oh. And the person who was holding the party said, ladies before gentlemen. And her three-year-old was like, what? <laughs> um, no, just give me the stick and let me beat the pinata. I want candy. Like, what do you, I don't even understand what you're talking about. So there are so many ways that we're trying to make everything gender neutral. But then there are so many ways that we're forcing gender stereotypes on our kids when it's convenient for us. When it makes life easier for us or when it creates the, the atmosphere and environment that we find desirable. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So well, here's one. Look at the mom. Did you see the video of the mom that I posted that forced her girl, her daughter, to get her ears pierced? No. Oh, my gosh, Kelly. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And it goes to it, – it speaks to let me parent the way I want to parent. And where do we draw that line? This woman in Chicago, her daughter has to be like nine years old in the video. Mm -hmm. The girl, it's a six minute long video of this girl screaming and crying and begging for them not to pierce her ears because she's Mm. terrified. It's the mother physically pinning this child down, threatening to punch her in the face. Oh, no. Right. If she doesn't shut up and calm down. People laughing at her, mocking her, telling her to stop being such a baby, and the person proceeding to continue, the person that's piercing her, you know, going through it. They videoed the whole thing, and then they posted it on Facebook. And people are saying... You know, oh, the woman that, you know, we we want to get our daughter's ears pierced and it's a cultural thing. So just let us do it. Let us parent how we want to parent. That's drawing a line. That's that's abuse. That's That's ridiculous. It is. You are forcing a cosmetic procedure on your child that your child does not want under threat of bodily harm. And that's not considered abusive. But yet, you know, we can't let our children walk home from the playground by themselves because Child Protective Services is going to show up at our door because someone's going to call 911. Did you see that article that I posted? Which one? About about when kids were going to school back in the 70s. A questionnaire was, can they walk home from school, like three or four blocks or something? And that was in first grade, right? Yeah, it's when they started school. So they wanted to, I mean, that was a question that they were, they expected them to be able to do that. And now some some people see kids walking by themselves and they call the police on them. Oh, it's ridiculous. Our, our neighbor just the other day missed the bus, missed the school bus. And, um, you know, she got picked up and, and taken to school by somebody else. And I, you know, I offered to take her, but I said to my husband this, just this morning, I was like, you know, I lived three, probably, you know, three miles away from the school. I would have, as soon as I saw that bus driving away, I would have started walking. Right. Because you didn't go home. Yeah. You didn't go home and ask mom and dad to give you a ride. You hiked your butt to school. And that's just what you did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the whole thing 
just circles right back around to where we started with, you know, talking about why teenagers are the way they are these days. We have taken all the power and choice and responsibility away from our kids. It's so true. Everything. I don't think they can even make a decision anymore. No. Like that, like the little girl in the video. No, you're not. You don't get to decide not to get your ears pierced. What? Are you kidding me? Yes, I cried when I was six years old when I got my ears pierced. But I cried because it hurt and I still wanted it done. Right. And I was like, damn. Right. What is your stance on people getting their baby's ears pierced with them not having a choice? I don't like it. I I don't like it. Um, Do I think it's abusive? No. I've seen I've seen infants getting their ears pierced mm-hmm. that they they actually were crying so hard that they couldn't breathe. Yeah. And t- to me, you you got to draw a line. Why do you need to hurt your baby like that? Is it really that important? Because you want them to look cute. That's right. a cosmetic procedure. It's not necessary for their health or safety. Right. Um, you know, so it's a cosmetic procedure that you're forcing onto your child. That would be like getting your child tattooed. I don't agree with that either. <laughs> and my, you know, we and you, we laugh, but it's true, right? It is. It is. <laughs> you don't do that. So you know, we we we're trying to press charges against the guy who got his dog tattooed. Ooh. Right. So you know, no, I don't agree with it. Would I do it personally? No. Do I realize that it's something that's done at, with a baby? That it's done in an in an instant and has probably no lasting effects. Yes, I do. So, you know, am I going to tell you not to do that to your baby? No, I'm not going to tell you not to do that to your baby. Am I going to tell you not to hold your daughter down and fight and argue with her for six minutes and threaten to punch her? Yeah, I'm going to tell you not to mm. do that because now right. that's abuse. You know, when they're begging you to stop, that's torture. You know, yeah, that's, 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 uh. that's physical and mental torture. You know, that's outlawed in the military, but yet you can do it to your child and it's okay. Mm. Mm. No, nope, don't think mall. so. In yeah, the in the mall. <laughs> if I saw somebody doing that in the mall, I would call the police and get I would involve myself and take my chances. <laughs> right. I mean, and the, the person doing it is only doing it for what, a $20 sale. I would be like, "No, I'm not doing this. You come back when she's calm." Right, when it's her choice, exactly. And speaking of choices, when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking to Dennis and Arlen the uh, writers of Parenting for the Launch about how to get your teenagers ready to get out. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children ages 24 to 18 who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, she'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. 
reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming. This is Toginet Radio. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success? More stability? More happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make It Happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smart strategies and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Parent Nation Radio. I am so excited for my first guest, mostly because I've got two teenagers in my house, and I am so excited to get them out. (laughs) Are you really? No, I'm not. Well, I sort of am. I am concerned. I am really concerned for them, and I think that 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 is a big part of how parents are parenting teenagers this these days you know you didn't used to be concerned you were like you know what my kid's going to get a job and they're going to get a house and they're going to have a family and they're going to be fine now it's like they've got to get the best job or they've got to create their own company and you know who knows if they're going to have a family maybe they're going to travel I don't know but I want them to succeed and all they do is play video games so you know who knows maybe Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll live with me for the rest of their lives. And that's where parents are coming from these days. So in preparation for all of that, so excited to have Dennis and Arlen with us, who are the authors of Parenting for the Launch, What I Wish I Knew at 18. And they're also uh, CEOs and uh, and founders of LifeSmart Publishing, which... Um, you know, it's we need more information on how to deal with teens. Everybody and their brother is telling us how to raise babies, but babies are easy. I mean, they don't even talk back or, you know, have their own opinions. But teenagers, totally different story. So, Dennis and Arlen, welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here. And, Tara, just listening to you, I don't even know why you need us on the show. You're just saying everything we would say. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for having us. It's great to be with you guys. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm assuming that you wrote this book out of necessity and experience, or what was your motivation? Well, our motivation really is, is that from the standpoint of parents, as you were saying, it's lonely out there in the teen years. There are all kinds of support systems and great books for you know, training our littles, but when it comes to the teen years, um, we all kind of look at each other and are embarrassed to talk about our kids, and we don't have the same support system. So part of it was helping to equip parents during this time of anxiety and kind of a sense of we're on our own and our kids aren't listening to us anymore and we're stressed with that and all the decisions. But the other part of it is a, a bigger picture of what we call an epic life skills crisis that's going on in our country, where You have business leaders saying that young people are not prepared for the workforce. You have uh, college presidents saying that 
um, you know, so many of the, the kids coming in, you know, to their colleges are not prepared for the challenges. So it's really kind of a multifaceted set of reasons, but we are here to equip, encourage, and inspire parents to, uh, to train their kids to fulfill their dreams and purpose. Oh, you know, that spoke to my heart space. Because that's totally what I'm all about. It's, you know, I, I've always said that if you find what your child's dreams and purpose are, it, it makes everything so much easier, you know, and it makes right. possibility. And, and many times our children's dreams and purposes might be different than what we thought that we, they might be. And right. part of what uh, we emphasize in Parenting for the Launch is giving our kids wings, not strings. And many times the things that we inadvertently do as parents thinking that we're doing the best for our kids end up being the things that tie them down and prevent them from accomplishing what they're, they're setting out to accomplish. So that, that's a huge part of it is, is helping parents understand how to value your child's uniqueness, how to understand how their personality interacts with your own, understand the things about yourself that might make you inadvertently put strings on your child, whether that's helicopter parenting or performance parenting or um, any way that we're putting expectations on our children and actually working against our own objectives. Yeah, it's, you know, there's actually an epidemic right now going on where parents are moving to or going to college classes with their children so that they can help them take notes, um, you know, help them properly study for tests in college. Oh, and it's (laughs) even worse. We, in fact, we, we talk with college professors and we hear the stories of how the parents are inserting themselves in kids' grades and so forth. But the, the most extreme example uh, we have is a dear friend of mine who is a senior exec at a Fortune uh, 100 company um, was hiring uh, a major position, reporting to him, and there was one individual in the final three who was the best candidate. And guess who shows up with him in his job interview? His mother. Mom. Oh no, mom! I think you not. She wanted to make sure that that her son was hired, and of course, she cost him the job. Yeah, and at what it's point not. do you not realize that? At what point, well, as a you know, parent, do you not sit back and go, "This is probably not the best idea"? Well, I think we, we didn't write the book to tell parents what they're doing wrong. We we. I hope whoever reads our book reads a uh, a come-alongside kind of attitude because we get the fear. There's just massive fear out there. As you pointed out, um, there's there's heightened anxiety because really the stakes are higher in our culture. The the potential derailers are more significant. Um, you know, if 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 things go sideways, there's a lot more things that that can go wrong. So I think what we're seeing is, is just massive fear, and, and if we are operating out of fear, that's going to mean control, and when we're operating out of control, we're going to insert ourselves into our kids' lives, we're going to helicopter, we're going to you know, be doing all of those things and really shooting ourselves in the foot. And this should be a joyful time of life. I mean, what, what you jokingly said at the beginning of the, of the conversation, that's true. This should be an awesome time of life where we're so excited for our kids to, to fly the coop and, and be who they were made to be. And instead, um, it can be a time of massive anxiety, and that's what we're hoping to, to alleviate. So when do, when do parents start reading your book? Is it like well, when their kids are seniors in high school? Or? <laughs> it's honestly, it's, it's never too early to start because 
as we all know as parents, uh, it's a blink of an eye. I mean, when, when you experience your, your kid's graduation for the first time, you will look back in retrospect and not believe it has is, is come this fast. So definitely um, in the going into middle school, um, I think people need as early as a time frame to be able to prepare for how life will be different in the teen years. And one of the biggest issues with parents is they have a hard time adapting from the elementary school years where their kids, you know, kind of worship mom and dad and pretty much do what they are told into a whole new phase of independence and identity formation and pushing mom and, and dad away. And so um, we're here to kind of give the younger parent a glimpse of what lies ahead. But for the parents who are in the middle school and especially the high school where they're experiencing this launch time, um, it's super relevant. There are major things parents can do in the, in the high school years that will really set that transition up for success. So is there something that, like, let's say, you know, teen parent nation is listening right now and they're going, you know what, it's too late for me. I've already blown it. My kid's not talking to me. Um, you know, they already can't stand me. Is there something that, is there advice that you could give to that parent that they could take and use right now? Totally. First of all, it is never too late. And I think that even parents, even once your kids are out of the house, it is never too late. And, and really, ultimately, it's all about relationships and building uh, a, a relational foundation. We talk about um, relationship capital, building relationship capital with your kids or having a relationship bucket uh, and learning when to have those hard conversations to make sure that your relationship bucket is full first. And it almost sounds counterintuitive because you're mad at each other. They, you know, maybe, maybe they violated a boundary or a curfew or, or maybe they really, you know, screwed up on a large scale. So, you know, I don't want to talk to this kid or I, I don't want to be friends with this kid. But, you know, counterintuitively, if we pour into them and we invest in the relationship, it creates opportunities to rebuild the relationship. And the acronym that we use, FLPP, I tried to make it a word, but, but the best I could come up with was boop. <laughs> but it's, it's make your conversation or make your interactions with your child frequent, low-risk, personal, and positive. And if, and if you can fulfill that criteria, um, you're going to start building, rebuilding trust that was lost, and you're going to start having that platform with your child again. You know, and, so, and one thing I would just add is it's so helpful to identify when your, your kids open up the most and where. And we, we talk about um, kind of entering their world and, and, and finding those opportunities where you can have those those conversations. In our case, our kids opened up the most in coffee shops. So when I kind of felt some distance growing, um, I take my kids individually to coffee shops and they would open up like a book, but forget, you know, the dinner table. So we have to kind of understand our kids a little bit, become experts in our kids and find out when and where um, they tend to be the most open and, and take advantage of those opportunities. So let me ask you a question because, you know, the truth is about 50% of Parent Nation is parenting separately from each other. They're divorced. And I find oftentimes that, especially with teenagers, they will feel more confident and comfortable talking to one parent over the other. 
How do you handle that situation where you're trying to co-parent, but one parent isn't getting the full story or one parent is not um, receiving or not having conversations with the kid, but the other one is? Do you recommend well, that they talk to each other or? We'll definitely recommend that they talk to each other. But one of the things that's actually really important for, for kids, and increasingly so as they grow um, and are becoming independent, is for there to be third-party voices in your child's life. And, you know, the statistics supposedly say that, that each child needs five adult voices um, speaking into their lives. And so as parents, part of our responsibility is to make sure there are other voices in their lives. And, and even though they may not agree with us on all areas, to know that there are other voices who legitimately care for your child and are speaking into their life is actually a good thing and, and, and re- ends up strengthening and reinforcing our position with our kids. And that may be um, a spouse that, that you're not married to anymore or a parent, you know, another parent. It may be a grandparent. It may be a coach or a teacher. Uh, it may be a mentor or a faith leader. But um, I think that the more voices that we have speaking into our kids' lives, um, the better. But I, I do know that even in our family, you know, we've been married for 32 years, and um, our kids will naturally go to my wife for, for certain subject areas, and they'll naturally come to me for others. So it, it, part of it, it comes with the territory. There are certain subjects that our kids are a little bit more comfortable in sharing with one versus the other. The point is to be a team. We talk about parenting is a team sport. So making sure that even in a, in a divorce separated kind of situation, that both parties are, are kind of aware of, of, of where there seems to be some issues going on so that they can work together as a team to the best of their ability to, to help support the, the team. One of, one of the great things for a family to have for um, and a parenting partnership to have, whether they're married or not, is to have a parenting mission statement. And, and if you can get on the same page with your partner parent, and just know what, what are your shared objectives and then what are you both doing to accomplish those objectives, I think you're going to find that you have more in common than apart because you, the, the best interests of the child are at stake. So the more communication you can have, the more you can actually talk about those objectives that you have in common, I think the better. I love that you guys are saying this because there is an overwhelming environment of exclusion in parenting these days. We all parent on an island. We all have an attitude of you can't talk to my baby like that or don't, you know, don't tell me how to parent. And I love that you're bringing in the whole team aspect of it because I think it's something that when we look back and when we reminisce about the good old days of parenting and how kids had respect for other people, one thing that we forget that we need to really get back to is the fact that there were so many other voices, to your point, that were guiding our children. You know, you're, we listen to the You're going to get me on teachers. a rant on this. <laughs> well, I hope it's only a two-minute rant because that's <laughs> Okay, I'll just say really quick, you know, so many times teachers tell us that they'll have problems with, with parents, and I have seen this, where, where a child gets in trouble at school and they get called in, and the teacher is the one who ends up getting in trouble because the parent says to the teacher, you're not going to tell me this about my kid or you're not going to do this to my child. 
when, when in reality what that child needs is the parent to stand with the teacher and say, no, this is unacceptable. You're accountable to me at home. You're accountable to your teacher in the classroom, and I'm going to support your teacher. And, and that's what's not happening all too often, and that's part of why we're, we're raising a generation of entitled kids. I couldn't agree with you more. I, and it's absolutely what we're seeing. And you see it in everything. You know, the coaches, coaches are there because they're the experts in what they're coaching, theoretically, right? But yet, mm-hmm. if your kid doesn't get the right plays or if your kid doesn't get the position that they think they should have or if your kid doesn't get enough playing time, we want to pull them out of that team. We don't want to listen to what that coach or that other person, that other authority figure has to say. And I can tell you, my kids personally have learned a lot from their coaches that went way beyond the sport that they were playing or the activity that they were engaged in. You know, they learned how to have respect for authority other than their, than me and their dad. They learned how to take um, direction from someone other than me and their dad. And it really is, it's one of those things that when we look at what our kids are going to have to do after they leave our home, they're going to have to take direction from bosses. They're going to have to take criticism from peers. You know, they're going to have to listen to other authority figures outside of us. When we don't allow our children to communicate and take direction and work as a team with the other people in their lives, they never learn how to do it. And that's why our kids are failing to launch. You know, it's and not, it's not nail on the head. Yeah, right? sure, I would just say that, you know, we, we have found in, in, that parents tend to be so busy nowadays that they don't have a, a chance to think strategically about what they're doing. And one of the best things that parents can do is to identify who in their lives are great role model leaders that they can introduce your kids to. And That's if there was awesome. one thing I've done correctly I, as a father. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. We're going to have to go to our break. I'm, I'm okay. so sorry. But I want everybody to check out your book and check out your website, and we'll talk more about that when we come back from this break. Thanks, Sarah. Good to be with you. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Finally, a show that supports women who are in the midst of a transition in midlife. The show is Second Wind. Here's what certified coach, author, and host of Second Wind, Joyce Buford, wants you to know. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. We all need cheerleaders, someone who's on our side. Second Wind is that program to help women connect with other women, hear other women's stories. In a stressful world. Find power in those stories. Learn to discover your passions and joys again. Create the life you want to live to the fullest. 
Join us for Second Wind with Joyce Buford, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Central, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation, welcome back to the show. I just wanted to, um, I know that we got cut off a uh, short of time there with our last segment, but that was just so much fun talking with Dennis and Arlen. Uh, the name of their book is Parenting for the Launch and What I Wish I Knew at 18, and uh, their business, their company is called Life Smart Publishing. So definitely check them out on the interwebs and on Facebook because their their information is really awesome. And thank you so much to both of them for, for everything that they shared with us. Uh, my next guest is Jennifer Fink, and she's the creator of Building boys.net. And if you follow me on Facebook or on Huffington Post or your tango or any of those other places that I'm that I'm active, you'll know that um, raising boys is a real passion of mine. I know that uh, raising children is a passion of all of ours. But I think that there are a lot of things that we kind of shove under the carpet when it comes to boys that we really need to be paying as much attention to as girl power. Um, so, you know, I, I think we're getting really lopsided in the conversation. So I'm so excited to have Jennifer here because she is, she's actually, um, one of the huge supporters, um, in the effort to establish a white house council on men and boys. And she's a mom of four boys, single mom of four boys. And she's appeared just everywhere. Washington post parents, scholastic. Um, so she's very prominent in this field and I'm thrilled to have her with us. Hey, Jennifer, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How about you? I am great. Hi, Jennifer. It's Kelly. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, it's really exciting to have you here. Thank I, you. It's wonderful to be here. I really think that we are going through a boy crisis right now, and we're, we're doing it to ourselves. You know, what's so interesting to me is that when you talk to people who love boys, whether you're talking to parents of boys, grandparents, those people get it, and they see it intuitively. They see it happening to all these boys that they interact with. I think the difficulty is helping people who don't have boys or aren't actively involved in boys' lives understand what's going on right now. They're actually, I actually get very rude, disrespectful, um, like, comments that brush off anything that I say when I talk about boys. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you yeah, know, boys are suffering so badly, right? Mm-hmm. That's why we yeah. have a female president. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? You know, one of the things that um, I've heard people say that means so much to me, and I always try and keep in mind, it's not a zero-sum game. If you're saying that you want boys to do well, that doesn't by definition mean that you don't also want girls to do well. If you want exactly. girls to do well, that doesn't mean you want boys to suffer. I support boys reaching their full potential, and I support girls reaching their full potential. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And not one at the expense of the other. Absolutely. And I do understand that's where things 
get a little tricky, right? Because once we start getting into public policy and issues of resources, the fact of the matter is there's always limited resources. So I think people get a little antsy about, well, if we're going to spend money on this, does that mean we're taking away from initiatives, for instance, that have been helping girls? So I do understand that there is that underlying dynamic. But one of the things that's also very interesting to me is so many of the things that have been shown to be helpful to boys are also helpful to girls. So, for instance, more movement in the classroom, good for boys, good for girls. Mm -hmm. Protecting recess, good for boys, good for girls. <laughs> right? A balanced diet, good for yeah, boys, good, good for, for boys, girls. good for girls. <laughs> it's so true. You know, I, I think that... Um, I think that people misunderstand, uh, well, I know that people misunderstand the term misogyny, misogynistic. Mm -hmm. They, we throw it around when, without even knowing what it truly means. It's actually a disdain for women. It's actually a hatred of women. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're doing something that's overtly male, that doesn't make you a misogynist. It makes you right. masculine. Right. <laughs> so, and you're I, a mom of boys, so you understand that. You know, you, mm -hmm. you want your boys to do well and you want your boys to be respected as human beings. And that yes. doesn't mean you don't want the same for women. I don't, I think that we're trying to make ourselves too equal and in the process, um, we're, we're vilifying boys. Right, right. <laughs> it seemed uh, that perhaps as a reaction and trying to get across the message that, hey, women can do more than what we were allowed to do, historically speaking. Um, there was an effort to emphasize that women can do things that previously were in the male realm. Um, at the same time, there was not that push for boys to enlarge the notion of what boys can do. And so we're still suffering from that. And, and we kind of glossed over the fact that Boys and girls, males and females, generally speaking, are different. There are, you know, when you talk boy, girl, male, female, of course there's a wide range of normal. But there are baby boys tend to be different than baby girls. And I know we can talk about socialization, and that's certainly relevant. But there are differences. Yeah. Like, I know girls, some girls that really, really like pink Legos. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that we've taken it, we, we've taken our desire for equality into the level of shaming now. Now we've yes. gone to the point of shaming anything yes. that, that doesn't conform to what our deal, our ideals are. So we hear a lot of um, boys are more difficult. Boys are more easily addicted to certain things like video games and violence and those kinds of things. Where do you stand on those issues? I think we need to be careful um, what we consider addiction because, for one, we're talking about uh, video game addiction. There is no clinical definition for that at this point. And I think a lot of what we hear in common conversation, both you know, in our personal lives, talking to our friends and family and what we see online, is really uh, expressions of parental and adult concern. So when we see usually a boy who is really into video games, which is something that we as adults might be uncomfortable with, we worry that he's getting addicted or that he's addicted because that's all he ever wants to do. All he wants to do is play video games. 
If he was reading a book, would you say the same thing? Would you say he was addicted to books? (laughs) Well, I actually did go through that with one of my sons, but, you know, he's... (laughs) But it was... You're right, because at one point, my husband and I looked at each other and went, are we seriously telling him that he has to stop reading so much? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but And, And you're right. There's parental instincts come into play. You certainly know your child better than anybody else, and when your parental instincts are telling you, hey, this kid is doing whatever the activity is to the exclusion of everything else in life, it's time to speak up and say, hey, let's look for some balance here. You need to do some other things as well. But um, for some reason, video games, especially violent video games, are a trigger for adults. We are uncomfortable with it, and I don't think we've always explored why and is it a is it a rational concern so i think for for a lot of the parents that i deal with and for myself personally the problem that i have with the video games is the fact that they're more attentive to the game than they are to me when mm-hmm. they're listening to the game and they're playing the game they're not listening to me and they're not communicating with me mhm and I don't like that a game takes priority over me and my needs as mom. Yeah, I can. I I hear you, and I think every parent struggles with that. Uh, last night we were getting ready to needed to head out the door, and my a couple of my kids and a neighbor kid were playing Minecraft together online, and the dishwasher was not getting emptied. And so, yes, I get frustrated with that too. In that case, I don't think it's so much that the video game is a bad thing. As, you know, we as parents need to work to establish some boundaries in our families. And I don't always do a great job of that. It's easier for me to say than to do. But that's when I need to think about things like, hey, get your stuff done before you go on the video game. Or using the parental controls and turning off Wi-Fi access for a while. (laughs) But making sure that nothing breakable is very close to them when you do it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> you can always tell when dad shut off the Wi-Fi because stuff just starts thumping and, oh, you can hear the mumbling and the cursing going on without actually hearing it. It's amazing. Yes, and, it gets very And loud. then within a half an hour or an hour, they're a completely different human being. Mm-hmm. It, it Some... changes the way they react to you. Yeah, yeah. One thing I've noticed, and I'm not sure if you've noticed this, um, my kids definitely spend a fair amount of time uh, playing games or watching YouTube videos is another one that have you noticed mm-hmm. that's very popular with your boys? Oh yeah, oh definitely. Yeah. But hardly anybody watches TV anymore. <laughs> and you know, we grew up watching TV and didn't think that made us horrible human beings. So I think we have to be careful about not vilifying the tech because it can become another example of what you said before of shaming them for their interest. That doesn't mean that they should be able to play video games without having any household responsibilities or without being required to listen to mom and dad. But I think it means that we need to think about, you know, why do they enjoy this? What are they getting out of it? Yeah. For me, I know that they're getting the instant gratification. They're getting instant feedback. They're getting Mm -hmm. um, validation, you know, Mm -hmm. because for my son... He's been on Minecraft since it was in its beta phase. I mean, we paid for it in pounds. It was ridiculous. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Right? And um, so now he is this entity on Minecraft. 
people yeah. know him and he has his own like videos that he makes and puts them on YouTube, like tutorials and stuff. He is perceived as this awesome person on Minecraft with all of these friends and followers. And then he goes to school and he's that weird kid with Asperger's that has like three friends. Mm-hmm. And that's where I sometimes see a big disconnect uh, between school and boys' lives, and why, frankly, a lot of boys are drawn into that online world. The things that your son is good at, he is recognized for and lauded for in that online world. And in school, it's like, yeah, that's just weird. Mm-hmm. And those are actual skills that he's developing. You know, if you've looked at Minecraft, there's a lot of visual, spatial things going on there. Um, when you're making videos, and sharing these video tutorials, which a lot of kids love to watch, that's communication. It's technology. So there's real, honest-to-God skill development there that doesn't quite fit into the schools. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why he's going to a career and technology center next year. Because oh, we knew that, that was, that's his brilliance. That's what he's mm-hmm. great at. That's his dream. So mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of following that. And I, it's so weird to me because we, as parents, as adults, we'll sit down and we'll watch football games and all kinds of sports games and we'll bet on them and, and we'll like get obsessed with them and we'll, we'll paint our faces and do all these things. Our kids have that same thing and it's gaming. Yes. Yes. You know, you mentioned uh, before, like, he gets that gratification and positive feedback, sense of accomplishment from video gaming. Um, There's a researcher at um, the University of Pennsylvania, Ellie Carr-Chelman. She's also involved in the initiative um, to push for a White House Council on Boys and Men. But she's done some fascinating research about video gaming, and particularly video gaming in boys. One of the other things that gamers are developing in playing these games is an interesting relationship to failure, and they're developing grit, that ability to keep pushing through obstacles. So in video games, you, know, you don't get it on the first try, but you die and you get to try again. You learn something. You try again. And her research is showing that that ability to view failure as, well, I learned something from this, and then I can take that knowledge and move on, is a predictor of future success versus oftentimes in school, failure is a bad and terrible thing to be avoided. Or they just don't ever experience it. Right. (laughs) Right. So, you know, it's actually building resilience. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So that's another, you know, those kinds of things that if you're busy looking at this Video games are terrible. You miss some of those nuances and some of the positive things that they may be developing right before your eyes. So let me ask you another question because this is something that I should, oh, shoot, we only have two minutes. I can't believe it. So here's my thing. I'm, I'm concerned with the whole thing about girls blaming boys for not being able to act badly. So, you know, I can't dress seductively to school in eighth grade because you haven't taught your boys that women aren't sex objects. How do you feel about that? Conflicted, in all honesty, conflicted. Um, You know, on the one hand, as a woman, I understand that. I I don't necessarily feel like somebody should tell me what I should wear based on 
how a boy or a man may or may not react. On the other hand, I think that it would be better if we just talk about um, appropriate dress for the circumstances for both boys and girls because there's a time and a place for everything in a school environment, a work environment is really a time for more uh, professional or casual is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? It's not the time to be seductive or to be revealing. And it, it's, a, it's a messy thing. Uh, when we talk about middle school and high school, boys and girls are all still learning. Right. So, yes, I'm working on teaching my boys that girls are not sex objects. And they at are the at same the same time boys. Right. And I don't mean <laughs> that to excuse things, but they are boys and they will see things and they will think things just as girls do. Right. And see, that's where I wish that we could come to. I, th I wish as parents we could come to an even playing field on this and not real and realize that it's not a fight between boys and girls, but a fight for our children. So, yes. oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. We have to go, Jennifer. But I so appreciate this time that you've spent with us. And I really want everybody to check out your website, buildingboys.net. And I want to be able to support you on this council for men and boys. So if there's any way we can do that, put it up on our Facebook page. And until next time, everybody, keep playing. Mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling?